Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to Finding Fertility. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. I am super excited to have you here on this Friday. We are talking about all things epigenetics this month, and I'm super excited to finally release this episode because we recorded it like ages ago um, with Dr. Rena Singh. She is a naturopathic doctor, and she's just amazing. And um, we have definitely the same outlook on why it is so important to. Find the root cause of your infertility and fix it in a as much as possible natural and holistic way. Put in the hard work and the outcome that you get is so much more than getting pregnant, staying pregnant. You are going to be happier and healthier, have a much more better pregnancy, fingers crossed. And um, the big cherry on top for me is that we are giving the best chance for our future children to thrive and be happy. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. And we are here with Dr. Rena, which I'm super excited about because we're going to get a little bit scientific and a little bit nerdy, but I'm even a little bit more excited about your personal story and becoming your own hero really early in life. So can you take us back to your early childhood and what was going on? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. So in my, as a, as a kid growing up, everything seemed fine. You know, I was an active kid. I was just eating what we used to eat at home, not really connecting anything that was going on with my body. But when I turned 19, I had just finished my first year in college and I got hit with crazy GI symptoms. And they were basically just, um, you know, pain and cramping and bloody diarrhea. And I didn't, I, I had no idea what was going on. I just was like, okay, maybe I have a stomach bug. It'll pass. And I basically just ignored it because that's what we kind of did. We just kind of ignored our symptoms. But this went on for a couple of months. And then I basically was forced to go in to take, my mom was like, okay, something's not right. You're just, you're, you're so tired. You're exhausted. You're in the bathroom a lot. So she took me to the doctor. And at that time I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which is a severe inflammatory bowel disease. And it just shook my world. It shook my family's world. We were like, what is this? And it was, I was, I came so close to getting a blood transfusion because I had lost so much blood and, you know, we didn't even think of that. And, um, leading up to that, you know, looking back, I was like, what, what was going on? Because I was just eating what everybody else was eating. And I, you know, I didn't think I was any more stressed out than anybody else, but I was chronically constipated and I definitely um, would react to certain foods, which I didn't think about at the time. And so when all, when I was diagnosed, I was like, oh my gosh, I better just do what they told me. And so I took the medications and I was told that I would have to take 
this one medication called Dipentum for, for the rest of my life. And they said, look, you better take this medication. Um, otherwise, you're going to, uh, more than likely, you're going to get di uh, diagnosed with cancer in your 30s anyway. And so take this medication. And then every time you have a flare up, we'll just give you steroids. And I was like, okay. So I did what they told me because, of course, you're 19. You're scared. You just do what they tell you. And so I did that, but I kept getting flare-ups and then they keep giving me steroids. And so, and then I started having side effects from these, this kind of little concoction of medications. So then they give me more medications like birth control pills because my periods got all thrown off. And so at this point I was like, what is going on? I didn't feel right. You know, I just, you didn't, I didn't feel right in my body because I didn't, I, I had gained so much weight. My moods were thrown off and it just, it wasn't a happy place. And so luckily for me at that time, I was working for a company that, that wanted to send me overseas. And I was like, yes, send me. I just wanted to go somewhere else. And so I moved to Malaysia. And while I was there, some new friends that I'd made were like, maybe you should see this, this naturopathic doctor, this natural medicine doctor. And I was like, okay, I, I really don't think they can do anything for me. Like, what can they possibly do that can help me? I, my, my symptoms are so severe. And um, so I went with a, not a very open mind, but I went and it was very interesting. So I spent like an hour or so with this, this man and he asked me a bunch of questions about my health. And I, I was like, and he started explaining some things to me about how food and mood and stress could be connected to my gut. And I was like, wow, I, I kind of thought he was a little crazy, but I was like, all right, whatever. What do I have to lose? You know, I don't feel good on these medications, so I might as well just try what he has to say. So I followed his protocol. I changed my diet. I took some herbs and supplements that he recommended. And within, I would say, eight weeks or so, eight to 10 weeks, I was a completely different person and I started feeling kind of normal again. And so I, I followed this while I was living there and then I moved back to the U S and I just, I couldn't believe that I was feeling so good. And then of course, because I have ulcerative colitis, you know, you have to go in and get a colonoscopy often. So initially it was like every one to two years. And so after like the third or fourth colonoscopy, the doctor was like, you know, you don't have any remnants of the disease anymore, or it's very minor at this point. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is after telling me that I was going to suffer from this disease the rest of my life, that I would likely get cancer, and that having children was not a very high likelihood. And so I was like, oh my gosh. Um, I, so at that point, I just couldn't get enough and started you know, learning about natural medicine and the body and how it works. And I was like, you know, the body has this amazing ability to heal, which we're never taught about. We're never told. And then that's when I started, you know, looking back and making the connections growing up. I was like, oh, when I would eat a lot of wheat or gluten, you know, and sandwiches and pastas and stuff, I just, I didn't feel good. I like, I would always feel this lump in my throat, but I never made, I never connected the dots. Or when I'd have dairy, you know, my family was big on um, ice cream as our dessert at night and things like that. And so eating ice cream or drinking milk and just not being able to breathe after that, 
I just, and I was given an inhaler and I had like minor asthma and they're like, well, that's just, that's just normal. That's just you. Your mom has allergies, so it's okay. And I was like, okay. But then after I started, you know, getting better in my mid twenties, um, I was like, wow, there were so many signs that were happening prior to my diagnosis, but neither myself or my parents, you know, we didn't, we didn't know to look for them. We didn't, we didn't make those connections um, because the doctors weren't making the connections either. 100%. And so, <laughs> right. And so at that point I was like, I couldn't get enough. And so that's when I decided to change my career. I went back and went to trying to decide, you know, what kind of doctor do I want to be? And at that point I researched and, and learned about naturopathic medicine and um, which doctorate programs were um, good ones and which, which would give me the information that I would, that I could then use to help others. And so that's when I um, went to the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine in Arizona and spent four years there and got my naturopathic doctorate degree. And I, the amount that I have learned going through my own personal experience with ulcerative colitis, and then after that, just helping so many other people with a lot of gut issues, um, just made me realize just how amazing our body is. Like we truly have the ability to heal and reverse the disease process if we just listen to the signs, if we just take a step back. And that's what also started leading me down the path of like, well, was I predisposed to this? Were there things that maybe my mom or dad was exposed to that happened in pregnancy, something that may have increased the chances that, you know, I developed this disease. And then it just spiraled into, you know, learning more about our, our, the state of our children's health and the impact that we have on, um, that we, we can have on our children prior to conceiving them. And so when I was finally ready to have kids, and this was towards the end of naturopathic school, so I, I had learned a lot by then, and I was like, okay, it doesn't make sense to just try to, try to get pregnant. It's like, I'm gonna take the time to really clean up my system, rebalance as much as I can, strengthen my foundation, nourish my adrenals, do as much as I possibly can because it's not just about getting pregnant. It's about bringing the healthiest, happiest, most stable child into this world. And so I took a good year of just prepping my body and getting my husband to do some things as well. And then we tried and got pregnant. And, and this was in my late 30s. You know, I, I wasn't, I just wasn't ready to have kids until then. And so given all the, this talk that I was told way back in my early twenties, like, oh, you know, having children, it's not likely you've had this disease. And then waiting until my mid thirties, I was like, oh my gosh, I have no idea. I have no idea if it's going to happen for me, but I did know that I was going to take the time to do what I knew to do to prep and then try. And for me, it, it was the best thing I could have done. A hundred percent. 
I'm going to take you back to um, the naturopathic doctor you saw. Um, do you remember what kind of diet he put you on? Was there a specific formula for him or did he kind of try to zone in on what foods you were intolerant to? Well, this was in another country and this was well over 20 years ago. And yep. so the food over there was very different from over here as it is, but essentially it was removing anything processed, removing anything that uh, was not as fresh as it could be, and then shifting to a more plant-based diet. So even though I was brought up half, half vegetarian uh, because my mother was vegetarian, at home we never really ate meat, but that doesn't mean that I didn't eat a lot of junk because vegetarians eat a lot of processed stuff. Mm -hmm. And so just understanding that and having that awareness of what he told me of actually eating vegetables, <laughs> just that minor shift, <laughs> that minor piece of information can make a world of difference because you may, as much as I thought I was eating healthy, I wasn't, you know, I was eating a lot of processed foods, a lot of pasta, a lot of sandwiches, a lot of stuff that just wasn't um, jiving with my body. And and I never made those connections before, you know, with the dairy and the gluten, especially, and just it never sitting right with me. And so he basically just said, you know, just eat real food. Yeah. <laughs> Did, what, do you think he saw a lot of Westerners in his office? I'm not sure how many Westerners he saw at that time. But what I did like about him was that he tried to individualize the um, the protocol, the treatment protocol. So he used, and every natural medicine doctor, I feel like kind of has their own way of assessing how to offer individualized advice. And for him, he used um, some sort like pulse diagnosis was one. And then he also used some sort of little contraption that um, had little electrodes on it that he used to, to gain some information from. And so what I learned from that experience was that people who practice natural medicine are very much more in tune mm -hmm. and, and less, um, they, they rely less on just objective data. Like it's a combination of the two, which I appreciate because based on his experience, and then the data that he was looking at, he was like, okay, this is what I think is right for you. And that's what I've tried to do in my own practice as well, is just that kind of the best of both worlds, the combination of the two. It's using the information that we have, but then really trying to personalize it for the person in front of me versus just trying to give everybody a cookie cutter protocol. Yeah, 100%. We're all so different. And I think that's where maybe... Um the um, conventional doctors kind of fall short is that maybe they don't have the time or the knowledge that there is, you know, a lot of things to look at. It is not a one size fit all diagnosis, which unfortunately infertility, no matter what your issue is, you're getting thrown into that. Just go do IVF or do an IUI. If that doesn't work, we'll do IVF. And that's just not good enough, is it? Absolutely. I, it just, shocks me actually some of the stories that I hear from couples it's like no matter if they're in their mid-20s or if they're in their late 30s early 40s they tend to be getting very similar messages just that you can't wait you're running out of time and you you better 
get to a fertility center and consider IVF or medications right away. Otherwise, it's just not going to happen for you. But at the same time, nothing in their health history, nothing in their picture, their health picture is being addressed or even looked at, which is so unfortunate because even if IVF is the answer to fertility and brings in more babies, are we, are we, that's not doing any justice to the mom and dad to be because the DNA that they're passing on, the quality of that DNA is getting passed on to their children. And then these children may or may not have the best health possible. Whereas if we just take a little bit of time and help these couples really optimize their health prior to conception, oh my gosh, we could change the world. You know, we could possibly change the entire world by helping to bring healthier babies into this world. Yeah. And I think it just hasn't really um, been brought to light, I suppose, because infertility is kind of a, you know, new phenomenon, right? It's a new disease. You, I mean, people have been infertile through generations, but not like we're seeing now. And so there's not ever been a reason to look maybe into um, why we're becoming infertile and then you know, like you say, passing it down the generation. So the IVF babies are getting, you know, a lot more statistics of being unhealthy. And I don't necessarily think it's fair to IVF because it's not the IVF's fault. You know, I, I, I don't personally believe that it's the IVF drugs doing that to the babies. It's the unhealthy parents that are coming together and kind of forcing nature when nature's trying to tell you, no, you're not healthy enough. I, I don't want to support this, this growth, this life, because it's not healthy enough. But then you can Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. And, and I always encourage couples who are struggling to get pregnant. It's like, take a step back and ask why. In, instead of just ignoring all the signs and symptoms and like doing whatever it takes to force the body to get pregnant. It's like, what is, how, how can that help or be beneficial for the mom or the baby? I just don't, I don't get it. Yeah. And they're just being asked to completely ignore what's going on in their health. That could be an indication, a clue of why they're unable to get pregnant and just ignore that and be like, okay, we'll just do whatever it takes. Medications, IVF, IUI, just ignore that and, and go for these more invasive treatments. And you know, don't worry about the repercussions later. Yeah. It's like, we know enough now through studies and through the medical research that's coming out that there are potential risks. There are increased risks for the mom and the baby long-term. And so why not take a step back? Why not address whatever specific imbalances or deficiencies the moms or dads to be have and help them address these prior to trying to conceive and then ideally they'll be able to conceive naturally but even if they can't and they still need to use medications or fertility treatments the goal is to lessen the number that they have to go through yeah and have healthier embryos you know i know have healthier embryos my two, my two ivf rounds um one i did nothing and had 
it was a shambles. I mean, we were left thinking that I couldn't make healthy eggs. I, we were told there's nothing I can do about it. Changed my diet up and we got, you know, five healthy looking embryos. Um, and not all of them turned into babies, unfortunately, but just the evidence right there for me was enough to go, okay, there has to be something in this diet and nutrition and lifestyle changes because I just don't feel that that's fluke, you know, how, you know, and I know it's a really hard thing to prove right now because we're all so different. We need different things. So you can't just do this study or even a placebo study because there's just too many factors. Absolutely. 100%. So, so, and I feel like that's why there's, there's always going to be studies that, that absolutely show the benefits of changing your diet. And then there's going to be other studies that don't because we can't look at those things in isolation mm -hmm. because the body works together, you yeah. know, and all their different organs are communicating with each other to try to help you be the most fertile that you can. And a perfect example of this that I see often is that because most of the couples that come to me are the ones that have failed IVF multiple times. And they're finally like, okay, <laughs> I'm finally ready to yeah. take a step back and, and see what's going on. And that's fine. That, that's where they are in their journey. And I'm grateful to be a part of it. So whenever they come to me, I'm just super happy that they did. But one of the things that I would say nine out of 10 times always shows up when I'm doing the initial assessment is that they have inflammation and they have issues going on in their gut. Mm -hmm. And whoever connects gut issues with fertility, right? Yeah. Nobody. No one. And I think given my whole history with my inflammatory bowel disease and all the gut issues I had, it's always just kind of uh, led me down that path of wanting to learn more about how the gut is related to hormonal balance and fertility and baby's health and things like that. And the more and more that I understand, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like if we, if, if every couple just started with that piece, how, how many, how much more could we help um, lower the, this infertility diagnosis? You know, hundred uh, percent. I mean, mine was 100% gut related. You know, I had no other issues. I didn't have like hormone imbalance, none of that. I had leaky gut, which raised my natural killer cells and was killing off the embryos before or during implantation. And, you know, that left me not seeing a, preg a positive pregnancy test for almost six years, but no wow. one was looking at it, right? Why would you? And the right. science wasn't really out there at the time. Maybe a few people were talking about it, but it wasn't mainstream. And, um, you know, probably in your practice and in your studies and what I see is that the gut is the place to start. 100%. I always start with the gut. Um, and this is what, this is why if I, I'd like to take a minute just to explain why it's so important because the gut, of course, as we now know, it's like the center of our health because everything else is connected to our gut. And so the more we're learning about the gut microbiome, which is just the balance and the and the integrity of the all the different kinds of bacteria and fungus and protozoa and all these different things that are living in our gut that are there for a reason they're there to help us but if and when they get out of balance that can affect everything downstream and so a perfect example is IBS IBS is irritable bowel syndrome and it's a very common issue that women of reproductive age struggle with 
and it can absolutely throw off the balance of the bacteria. And the research has even indicated, has told us that women who have IBS have an increased risk for miscarriage and an increased risk for ectopic pregnancy. Just that. What else can it do? So when there's an imbalance in the gut bacteria, it can also throw off the balance in our vaginal microbiome. So then the bacteria in our vagina can also get impacted and um, thrown off. This can then lead to an increased risk for BV or bacterial vaginosis, which is an, another very common issue um, in women, in some women. And BV has been associated with, again, increased risk for miscarriage. And so understanding this is so important because if we're just ignoring all these things and just forcing the body to get pregnant, well, then this could also be impacting the, the integrity of the uterine lining, right? And so even if, you, if they, these women are to get pregnant, the implantation could be an issue. And so taking a few steps backwards and just addressing, strengthening the integrity of the gut so that it can then lead to a healthier vaginal microbiome is key. Because we also know that the dysbiosis in the gut can also later impact the placenta, the placental microbiome. And so baby's development in utero can be affected as well. So we now know that like, if there's dysbiosis and the placental microbiome is affected, there's increased risk for allergies and eczema and um, asthma, I believe, in, in the baby. And if it's even more severe, if there's more severe dysbiosis and, and the placenta has been affected, the, the risk for um, learning disabilities and autoimmune issues and even IBD, inflammatory bowel diseases, has been increased. So it's all connected. Yeah. Everything starts with the gut. And this is why I tried to, you know, this is what I explained to couples that even if you don't have symptoms, a lot of, a lot of times couples come to me like, oh, I don't have any gut symptoms. You know, I don't I'm not constipated. I don't have diarrhea. I, I'm fine. I don't have acid reflux or anything. But then when I run their blood work, when I analyze their blood work and look at it from a functional medicine perspective, I'm like, no, you're not digesting and absorbing things as well as you could be and oh by the way you have, you have this hormonal imbalance like your your periods aren't you know regular all that can be impacted by an imbalance in the gut and so we have to start here so instead of putting you on stuff that's going to manipulate your hormones let's start with the underlying organs that are feeding the hormonal balance which is the same for the thyroid and the adrenals, you know? And so it all starts with the gut because it's, it's feeding into these other organs that are 100% um, um, feeding into fertility and increasing the chances for a healthy baby. I feel like we've gotten so disconnected just the way that life has just gone into hyperdrive, right? Like my mom was excited to get the telephone that you had to do the little like knobs on. And now it's like, we're so far like what, well, like, yeah, one generation, my mom's generation so far technically and that we've just lost the whole connection of what we have been for billions of years 
And it's really hard for people to really just look that we are one, that the body is one. Like, okay, yeah, you can lose an arm and still function. (laughs) But for a lot of us now, because of how we grew up and how we've been living, we're just disconnecting everything. And so when it comes to our fertility, we're not going, oh, well, yeah, my gut issues or my thyroid issues. Um, or even my brain issues, you know, a lot of people in the infertility world are dealing with massive anxiety attacks and depression. And, and so yeah, it's really start time to like get back, get connected. But why do you think that's hard for people? Because I was the same way. Um, I went and did IVF twice um, before, you know, I started really connecting these things together. Why are we... Yeah. What's your personal opinion and why we're going down that route and then coming to people like us now after the fact, after the heartache, after the thousands of dollars? Yeah, it's a great question and one that needs to be asked over and over. And my personal take on it is that the day and age and the society that we're living in, the constant messages that we're bombarded with are the reason that we're constantly seeking a quick fix. And something that's going to give us an answer right away. Who's, you know, where are the messages um, coming that we should um, take a step back and focus on our health? Did you hear that? I know I didn't. (laughs) When I got, when I, when I got sick, it was like, oh my gosh, take this medication. You know, you're probably going to get cancer anyway, but take it, take this medication. So it'll just suppress your symptoms. Everything is about suppressing the symptoms and forcing the body to do what we want it to do. But that's not how the body works. That's not how you know nature works. And, and I think unfortunately for many people, they do have to suffer through negative pregnancy tests or negative IVF cycles um, a few times before some of them kind of are realized and say, huh, okay, this, this, doesn't make sense doing the same thing over and over and you know not getting a different result so then they start asking why and I think people like us more people out there talking about it and talking about our stories and what led us to where we are and why we sought out alternative or natural ways of healing that will resonate with people and and that's what we need to do what we're up against though we're up against a multi-billion dollar industry. So fertility has become a business. It's a huge money-making business, as sad as that may sound. And so we're up against large corporations and companies just trying to get couples into that system and getting them to have, you know, I I don't think they want them to have dozens of IVF cycles, but at the same time, what are they doing to help minimize the cycles that they have to go through? Yeah. So the best scenario, of course, would be people like you and me working in a more integrative fashion with the fertility centers and things like that. And hopefully we'll see that happen one day. But for now, it's just couples seeking seeking people like us out because they've just come to a point where they, they know that, okay, this isn't working. And huh, I'm hearing that there could be some long-term issues with, 
with my health or the baby's health. And, oh, wow, you know, I just saw on the news that autism is now one in 38, chil- one in 38 boys. Oh, my gosh. Could there, is there something I could do prior to getting pregnant that could maybe lower that risk for me? So it's just hearing different messages in different ways and hoping that it, it just wakes people up. That's my goal. That's my take on it, you know, and just, and that's why I'm so big on, for me, it's not just about helping couples get pregnant. And I'm, and I tell, I tell all my couples that up front, I'm like, look, I am here to help you have the healthiest baby possible. That is my goal. And that starts with going back and helping mom and dad to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, And as I've said before, a lot of my listeners have heard me talk about epigenetics. And after my first miscarriage, that's when I learned about epigenetics. And um, my goal got changed. It wasn't about getting pregnant. It was about switching off all my shitty genes that I either got born with or they turned on, which is, you know, there's a combination of that. Um, Like you, I grew up in a very normal American way, eating healthy. We weren't an unhealthy family. I was always thin, active, you know, anyways. So epigenetics, um, I know that it's been thrown around for the last five years, maybe, maybe a little bit longer now but it's still a very new phrase. And I think sometimes people switch off when they start hearing microbiome and epigenetics and all these big phrases, but it's a, it's a very simple concept in the core of it, right? It is literally switching on and off your genes and you can do that um, before you start trying, you know, during we, you know, we, I'm sure as you, we always suggest do this before you start trying as much as possible and during your pregnancy what is your kind of how do you explain epigenetics to your patients i love that you're asking this question and i hope that i i just want it to be asked more and more because epigenetics is truly just the next generation of medicine i hope and basically epigenetics is just how is our lifestyle, our environment impacting our genes, our body, right? The expression of of this blueprint that we were given. So we were all given this blueprint and pretty much that blueprint, those instructions haven't been, haven't changed much (laughs) over thousands of years, right? It's the same, pretty much the same set of instructions that that are getting passed down to us through our DNA. But the expression of these instructions are changing due to the environment that we live in. And so things like our food and our the environmental toxins that we're exposed to, our thoughts can then impact the expression of these of these genes. And so that to me is what is the most important thing because that right there, epigenetics, I think will answer or solve a lot of the questions that we're dealing with today, not just infertility, but you know, cancer and chronic and heart disease and chronic ailments and autoimmune issues, like it's all connected. So if we, infertility is just another sign that the body is struggling 
in some way. It has lost its balance. It's, it's trying to, it's, it's lost its focus because it's too busy dealing with junk that is bombarding it. Um, and so epigenetics is, is truly what um, is going to be the, the answer for us. And, and the more we help to explain that is what, is what we truly need to do because that's going to help shift these statistics, the ones that we talked about um, before, in terms of, you know, 40% of our kids who are coming into this world will be diagnosed with a chronic disease sometime in their life. And one out of six children is going to be diagnosed with a neurodevelopmental disorder. And childhood cancers are now the leading cause of death in children. And allergies and autoimmune conditions and behavioral issues are like the new norm. And then like what we talked about just a minute ago, that, you know, autism is just one in 38 boys. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, so if the instructions haven't changed, but yet these statistics are skyrocketing, what is going on? And epigenetics is truly the answer and understanding how we can change for the better the environment that our our body is living in, that is what's going to help shift all of these statistics in a better direction. So we know that food impacts. Food is information. What I like to tell people is like every bite you take, that is information for yourself. And so you get to choose with every bite, what kind of information are you sending to your cells, to your tissues, to your organs, to your eggs that are sitting in your ovaries waiting to mature and develop and could possibly be your baby. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, we're not talking about being perfect the whole entire time and just being hyper-focusing on the right diet. Um, but it's uh, having that knowledge and awareness and making those decisions. So, you know, the other day I went to Whole Foods and they had a nice pesto pizza, which I don't, I can't do nightshades. I can, but I try to limit them. And I was like, I'm going to have a nice pesto pizza today. I know that gluten's not great for me. I'm, I have a little bit of an intolerance. If I have too much, it, wrecks my gut, but I can have it every once in a while. So it's just knowing what your body can and cannot do. And like you say, just, you know, for me, I did the same as you, or I tried to, I mean, I have an IBF baby. He was created, he was frozen for a year and a half, but um, before we transferred him, um, I took eight months and I was hardcore on my diet. And most people thought I was nuts, but that was, that's what I had to do to get to where I was. Um, now that didn't mean it was going to succeed. Um, the next frozen embryo transfer I had, I ended up having a miscarriage. But I truly believe from going on autoimmune paleo diet, um, and I probably was on that for two years. I don't know. My I gets hot in this room, so my my brain gets fuzzy. But I was on a, a paleo diet for a year. Then I went autoimmune paleo, and I was doing these treatments, and then. Two months after my last miscarriage, I was pregnant naturally for the first time in eight years. So it's it's not just a woohoo thing, right? It's hard. It takes time. I'm sure you've had frustrations with your diet. I mean, it's a new lifestyle. And sometimes I think it's really hard when you have an autoimmune 
um, issue because people look at you and maybe you're thin and healthy and stuff. And they're like, oh, you're just a, a, a like a freak and not health. And you're like, no, I like, this is my life. I have to live this way now. If I don't, if I overindulge in nightshades or gluten or dairy, I'll be sick. And mm-hmm. you might not see my sickness because I'll still wake up, I'll go to work, but I'm physically ill and it does not help me to eat this way. And yeah, it's, um, anyways, that was a little rant. <laughs> no, I agree with you 100%. And I will say that, yes, when, if you are having fertility issues, if you're struggling to get pregnant or have had recurrent miscarriages, then that might be the time to really focus for a few months and, and be 90, 95%, you know, a little bit more hardcore with your diet. But once you you've gotten pregnant or, you know, it's later on or, or you don't have to be, you know, it's like 60 to 80, I would say probably around 70, 80% is a good place to be, you know, 68, 70, 80% of the time. Yeah. You eat clean, you eat well, you eat what resonates with your body, but sure. You know, if you're, I ha- I go out and have a pizza every now and then it's definitely way, way less than of course, you know, when I was a teenager, <laughs> because now I feel the effects of it, you know, and there's, There's certain foods you can tell right away. And the cleaner that your body gets, your body tells you right away as well. And so I think this, I think the message really is, is just to listen to your body and just um, allow the process to unfold. And yeah, there may be some things that you're going to be asked to do that maybe aren't pleasant or you really don't want to do them, but try to remember the big picture. The big picture is not just getting pregnant, but what you're then, um, feeding on to your, to your future baby and their health. Yeah, exactly. And you know, if you, I've been there, I feel that it sucks that I had to change my diet and my lifestyle to do things that people, you know, take for granted, but you know what else also sucked? Infertility itself, month after month of not getting pregnant, failed IVFs, failed IUIs, you know, that, that, that sucks way more than having to stick to a healthy diet. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure you had to change your mindset. You had to have change your thoughts in order to keep yourself encouraged to stay on that diet. Yeah. And mindset's huge, you know, when it comes to fertility and again, you know, month after month getting your period and just being feeling devastated. But our, this is, this is something else that I, I really encourage couples to do is, is to become more aware of, of the thoughts that you're thinking and the, the energy, the vibe that you're putting out there, because what you put out is what you get back. Yeah. And, you know, we can't, we can't see it. We can't see the energy or the aura or anything like that, but it does impact our health. It does impact how we feel. And, and those thoughts and those feelings are getting transmitted to our cells, right? To this, it, it goes to the cellular level and it absolutely can impact everything that's working inside of you to help you get more fertile. Yeah. So we talk about hindsight being a bitch with everything you've been through, you've learned, you've studied, you've done, you've lived. What advice would you give to anyone struggling with infertility? Take a step back and listen to your body. Listen to the signs. Don't ignore. It's so easy to want to think that, oh, that's just something minor. That's not a big deal. That can't possibly be affecting my health or my fertility when the reality is it very well could be. And so 
it's really just that. It's as simple as just taking a step back, listening to your body, and then addressing the foundation. Don't get caught up in like, oh, I read about this supplement. I got to try this today. And oh, I heard about this supplement. I'm going to try this today or this fertility tea or this shake. And, and these poor women are taking 20 different things, but none of them are addressing their specific needs. And I see that every single time. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> I know I did it several exactly, times. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's so easy to do. Because again, we're looking for the quick fix and the quick answer. And, and, and it's so much easier to do that than to take a step back and go inwards. But the reality is that just wastes so much more time in the whole process and in the journey. And so if that was, if that's one message I could convey is just, you know, don't throw darts. I, I call it throwing darts. You know, don't throw darts and hope something sticks. It's like, take a step back, get the information you need, understand where your specific imbalances or deficiencies are. Get a plan that addresses what your body needs, not what other random people have said. Yeah. And so that's, that's really my message. That's a great piece of advice for sure. I wish I had it um, 11 years ago. <laughs> so tell our listeners um, where you are about your practice and how they can find you. Absolutely. So the, my practice is focused on fertility and preconception care. So even couples, so couples who are struggling to get pregnant, that's, that's who I help um, and I love to help as well as those couples who may not have fertility issues, but they want to do as what they can to prep and optimize their health as much as possible. And I, I am physically in California, I'm near San Diego. However, I have multiple ways uh, for people to work with me if they're not physically near me. So if they just wanna get started and try to understand you know, where their specific imbalances or deficiencies are, they can absolutely, I can do a, a functional blood work analysis and which provides so much information and insight as to what could be going on. And that is actually one of the ways a client of mine found me and we just started with the blood work analysis and she got the information and then, and then after that we started working together, but she just delivered her healthy baby girl last month. And this was after 13 years of, of trying. And so, um, Sometimes just start with just start with what you can. So if it's just getting your blood work analysis done, start there. Um, I also have an online fertility course, which is designed to help couples just start working on the foundation. Just work on those foundational pieces, which will then feed and nourish everything else that fertility relies on. And so um, those are just a couple of ways that that couples can work with me. And, and if they want to reach out to me, they can go to my website, which is www.zamawellness.com. And they can also email me directly. Um, I'm on Facebook at Zama Wellness, on Instagram at Fertility Doctor. So we're having some technical difficulties. Are you back? Are you back? Or are we all... Am I, am I back? Yeah, you're back with me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. It was uh, almost perfect timing. So you you got everything in and just said, um, so that's where you can find me. So I think. We oh, might perfect. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened there. But anyway. Yeah. But thank you so much for um, coming on and um, discussing the ever 
emerging and important topic of epigenetics and being your own hero. I think your story is truly inspirational. And I hope that anyone dealing with, you know, any kind of issue um, can relate to this and connect with you or connect with someone that will help them get on the right path. Um, and thank you for all the great work you're doing out there. Um, I know it is a it feels like a new topic to be talking about and, you know, not convince people, but just, you know, give the people the knowledge that it's out there. And um, hopefully, fingers crossed, we're going to help a lot of women and achieve their goal sooner and get health healthier and have help. Oh, can't even speak. <laughs> um, have um, happier and healthier babies. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I, I love the work you're doing and I'm just so happy to be a part of it. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll speak soon. I'm sure of it. Have a great day. A few more things before you go. If you would like to connect with our special guest, head on down to the show notes. You'll find all the links there. You'll also find links to connect with me over on the website at findingfertility.co. Over there, you can check out my one-to-one -one coaching. You can check out the Fertility Reconnect course, which I think we are going to do in the end of May, maybe beginning of June. Super excited for that. And also, you can find me over on Instagram and TikTok doing my crazy thing. I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, it would be amazing if you can leave a rating or review. We would love to know what your thoughts are, how we're helping you, and anything that we can do to improve the podcast. That's it for me, lady. I hope you have a beautiful weekend, and we'll see you next Tuesday.